Do you identify as an awkward person? So they, uh, this is the time when, like, uh... I'm here to tell an awkward story, right? Welcome to The Awkward Show. Thank you for listening. The Awkward Show is a production of Bandit Theater, Seattle's home of long-form improv. Our music is by Matthew Joseph. Today, we have part two of the Sweet Boy Hour. Jeffrey Nichols, last time, who's a regular cast member of The Awkward Show, played in on the set following the story by Zach Nelson. Today, they'll change places, and Jeffrey will tell a story for the first time, and Zach We'll play in with the team. Jeffrey, will you tell us a story? So, awkward story. I don't want to admit that I'm kind of like a stuffy, pedantic sort of person. Like, I like to think I'm like a young, rebellious counterculture hero. And this is the story that really kind of hammered home. Like, I'm kind of a normie. And this is the story of where I was on December 21st, 2012, when the world supposedly was supposed to end because of the the Mayan calendar prediction. Do you recall this? Yes. Do you remember where you were? No. Okay. I was at a very memorable place. And here's the story of how I got there. So this was December 21st, 2012. And it was winter break. I was a senior in college. And I did not have a car for all of college. But my senior year, my parents gifted me my grandmother's old white town and country minivan, which on one hand is a terrible car if you're trying to be like a cool 22-year-old, but on the other hand, it's the perfect car if you want to stuff a bunch of your friends in the back and go get Chipotle in Federal Way in the afternoon. Hell yeah. Pros and cons. But I had decided to take this long road trip down. I was basically going from Seattle all the way to L.A. to visit my girlfriend at the time who lived there. And then I was going to drive up to Salt Lake City, uh, where my sister was and my parents were for Christmas. And then I was going to fly to Chicago from there to see some friends, fly back, and then complete the circuit road trip back to Seattle. So huge, enormous trip. And I'd never done anything like this, so I didn't really have a great sense of like the time and the distance and the proportions and my abilities as sort of a driver. So I got through like the first leg of it where I spent a couple of days in Portland. And then I was like, and next stop, San Francisco, because that's like the next logical step. And then I finally got around to like looking at the GPS and it was like, an 11 hour drive. And I'd never done anything that long before. And I was leaving kind of late in the day because I was like an irresponsible 22 year old and I was probably very hungover. So I was like, okay, I'm going to need somebody in this car with me to like keep me awake and, and, you know, keep me company. Yeah. That, I mean, that distance is, is no joke. As I understood it, there was a time when people in California were talking about splitting into Northern and Southern California and everyone in San Francisco was pissed off because the people in North <laughs> Northern California, we're like, now the North stops well north of, of San, San, Francisco. San Francisco. San Francisco is part of Southern California. So in this story, we will never get as far as San Francisco. All of this no. is going to take place in what you're referring to as Northern California, where <laughs> people have a rebellious spirit and an independent mindset. So I go on to Craigslist Personals and I throw up a, hey, I'm driving from Portland to San Francisco. Who's coming with me? Wow. And within about 20 minutes, I got a response. 
and they were like hey there's two of us this is who we are just a little like spiel a little bit nothing no details and everything so i was like okay these are the two guys i'm gonna pick up but they're in oregon city which is um you know just about 20 30 minutes south of portland and so uh i got there pull up to the gas station and this is where i meet aaron and dumpsta love who just immediately visually fascinating people specifically because dumpster love who's really kind of the hero of this story he so he is a self-described hobo and aaron is a 19 year old former military person who is not in the military anymore wasn't in active combat was a military photographer so but he's wearing camo pants like i mean you have to be 18 to be in the military right you do so he, be a 19 so, year old oh former military i'm just gonna front load the information i don't know why i'm like <laughs> setting stuff up okay so aaron his whole thing was that he was a military photographer he's also an incredibly talented guitarist musician but there had been some kind of like explosion and i don't think it was military related i think it was literally like he was setting off a firework and it had gone off and caused some kind of like I can't remember if it was like physical, neurological, but he basically had this like accident happen where he lost the ability to perform music from like a cognitive standpoint. Mm. So he still had the technical proficiency. Like he had a guitar with him in the car. And as we were driving, a lot of what we were doing was musical related because Dumpster Love is a, is a rapper as well. He's a hobo rapper. That's his big thing. He was a guidance counselor in New York State. Um, I can't remember exactly what city. And he told me that he decided one day when he was 30, that he'd been in classrooms all of his life because he was a, a high school guidance counselor and that he wanted to see the world. So he had been right, jumping trains ever since. So he was very steeped in hobo culture. He uh, you know, had long hair, long beard that he didn't really like stay kept. And everything about him was intentional for repurposing things. So for example, they like rolled their own cigarettes the whole time. And his whole thing was that if you have ash on your hands from smoking cigarettes, you rub them into your jeans and the ash actually helps make them fireproof. So he had like a million and one little things like that. That was like how he like dressed and lived his life. I, I very- had a, a friend who was a rock and roll guitarist who did that um, because it made the jeans look cool. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure Dumpster Love is a very fascinating figure because like on one hand, he's been doing these very like authentic things. And on the other hand, there's this little voice in the back of my head. There's like a lot of this is performative. And it's so, so hard for me to like, convey this story to this person who is both like impressive on one hand and also just kind of just fills me with a sadness when I think of him and I think of like who he is and where he is at in his life at least at this time but anyway they were initially very impressive he told me a lot of things like oh the address of this place of the six digits of the road address of the gas station four of them were twos I found a dime right before I saw you and there's crows right there those are my three luckiest signs so like this is fortuitous this ride is meant to be and it was a blast uh we drove down like I said there were musical instruments at the time I fancied myself a percussionist and so I was kind of doing a lot of like beating on the steering wheel 
original. Dumpster Love was rapping. He gave me a couple of verses. You know, I tried to hop in in a freestyle. Aaron was doing his best, but like he couldn't really like keep musical time just because of um, the accident that he had had. And he was really young. Dumpster Love was like already in his mid thirties, so he was taking him under his wing. And they had started that day at Aaron's family home driveway and had been hitchhiking every step of the way. But they were trying to make it all the way to Chico, California. And so me picking them up and doing this was huge. I have no idea what their plan was to get down if I hadn't like posted this Craigslist ad because like, I don't know, man, frankly, like it didn't seem like they had a great plan or like itinerary on how they were going to do this, which already I feel like I'm coming off as like a little snobby in saying this. It's very like wonderful and adventurous. And I was trying to do this adventure too at the same time. Like I was trying to buy into this whole like American West great trip journey. But anyway, so here's what happened. Um, snow, a blizzard on the I-5 in Oregon, a semi-truck had flipped over, road was closed. We were not going down the 5 through Oregon, and there was no chance we were going to make it to San Francisco. But Dumstelove had friends in Humboldt County. I couldn't even say what city they were in, because when we finally rolled up there late, late at night after we had been going this whole time, it was off a side road, off a side road, off a dirt road. These people were not on the map or in the phone book. It was a neighborhood of people who just did not want to be found or noticed, especially by the police, mainly because they were growing just so much weed. This is the illegal part of the story (laughs) where uh, these people were definitely like, I don't know, they were very wealthy and well-to-do because I think they were very lucrative in how much weed that they were able to grow and sell. And so kind of as a result of that, they were very cagey with a lot of questions about like personal details and everything but dumpster love had this connection with them uh so we finally like you know got to be talking with them so a bunch of hippies is how they dressed and appeared and talked and they just got us so so stoned with just like like i can't even begin to describe how like potent and infused the joints that they were passing around were i was just like (laughs) You know, and at the time, for sure, I was like a very like avowed stoner and I like to claim that I was a hippie and I just could not hang with these people. And a couple things just made me kind of like more and more uncomfortable as the night went on. So the guy who owned the house, he like restored ancient African instruments. And then he kind of like also preserved the history of them. And so like one of the things we all did when we were like stoned in a stupor was he would just like brought out instrument after instrument and like kind of gave us like a brief description of it. And I don't want to say it was appropriative that this like white guy was really giving us a bunch of history on African instruments, especially because like, I don't know if he's got expertise in the area, it's fine. But like, I don't know, he couldn't really play them. And that's not really a knock against him either. There, but like the whole thing just started to feel like this like very odd facade maybe I was just stoned and like projecting a little bit into it but like it was very boring and like all the attention was on this guy who clearly was like he was the host and it was like it, it, everything was like contingent on him and he was hogging all the attention and then this same guy so so at the time I was a professional chess coach that was my job and I love chess and I was teaching chess to children and I was playing chess online and I was trying to improve my chess game and I had a book on chess strategy that I was casually reading. And he walks up to me and he's like, oh, chess. Yeah, man, I used to play chess. Well, not really play chess. My friend and I used to sit at the board. We didn't know the rules, but we would arrange the pieces and these beautiful shapes and patterns and kind of like emotionally commune with the chessboard. But 
then he went and like learned the rules and started winning. And I don't know, that just kind of ruined the whole experience for me. Like he tells me this story about like how learning the rules of chess ruins the experience of chess as I'm reading a book about the rules of chess. Like, what is this? Like, this is like the most <laughs> passive aggressive jab at like my interests and passions and livelihood. And then because it was December 21st, 2012, everybody was doing the whole thing that everybody did that night, which was like, talk about the one concept, which is like, maybe it's not the end of the world. Maybe it's the end of a certain chapter in our lives. And really death is like a new beginning, kind of like with tarot cards. So when people explain the death card and it's like, well, it's not literally death. It's like the death of something, but really it's an optimistic card because of new beginnings. Fine. These are like fine things, but to hear this, like one concept, iterated over and over and over again as if it was like the most profound thing in the world. And I was surrounded by it because this was a whole party because it was December 21st, 2012. And it was a bunch of hippies who wanted to like extract as much meaning out of it as possible. But just wandering around getting these ill-informed takes about things because I'm also a philosophy major. And this was when like academic rigor was finally starting to take a hold on me. And I was like, what are these things people are saying? These are not, this is like absolute metaphysical gibberish. I, I, lo- I love like- that when someone like kind of takes an idea and then like takes a follow on idea and then just makes an absolutely insane leap to There's God knows where. And you're like, what's the mishmash hodgepodge <laughs> of like spiritual things? And so that's when I was just kind of like, man, I kind of hate hippies. And I've been playing hacky sack and throwing frisbees and listening to the Grateful Dead and smoking weed and like... Doing devil sticks. Yeah, I fancied myself a percussionist. You know? Not like with a drum set but with like a bongo and a tambourine. So this was like an awakening for me where I was just like, all of these people are full of shit and they're really sketchy and it's all just based on drug money that they're all afraid of each other in the world but they pretend that they have this detached disdain because of spiritual enlightenment that's all phony so i crashed on the couch way before anybody else fell asleep i woke up as early as i possibly could i already knew aaron and dumpster love were like taken care of we had talked about the parting ways i just got the hell out of there as fast as i could and made it to san francisco where i don't know i guess i embraced my inevitable yuppie fate that i'm gonna live experience one day so yeah (laughs) that's my awkward awkward night on the night the world ended Wow. And did you get to LA and see your girlfriend? Yeah. And that was all great. It was a lovely rest of the trip. Yeah. It was a lot of like learning and like really getting a good sense of my place in the world. Welcome to this uh, guidance counselor session. I'm just going to give you some advice on where I think your career path uh, should go. Um, Obviously, this is just advice. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I think I think you're ready to see the the true America, which is why I'm going to suggest you drop out of high school and ride the rails like Woody Guthrie did. Uh, Okay, I came to you because I wanted feedback on my admissions essays Mm -hmm. uh, for UW and Western. Mm -hmm. And now you're telling me to drop out of high school and ride the rails like Woody Guthrie did? Listen, you know, college isn't going to give you the necessary knowledge to really operate in this world the way you need to. I think 
best knowledge you can get is if you ride the rails from town to town with a guitar on your back and a knapsack with you and just really, really see the true America, you know? I mean, it's it's like that song, uh, The City of uh, New Orleans, about the train, you know, running through, uh, running through America. Oh, yeah. I think my dad likes that song. It's a great song. So you're saying that, like, knowledge about, like, American folksy, like, American folk knowledge is, like, more important than, like, book knowledge? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you're just going to learn about, like, Theseus and Sisyphus and Icarus uh, if you go into, yeah. like, college. You know, it's just all that Greek antiquity stuff. But, I mean, you really need to know about how a railroad works and, like, which trains are the easiest to hop onto and which trains, you know, go a little bit too fast early on to like actually ride. This is like specifically about like riding railroads for you, not even just like American folklore, just like railroads specifically. Yeah, absolutely. You can truly see the world for free. You know, you can see the entire America for free. Oh, you wow. You're ride. really putting things in a suitcase for me already here. I can't believe you had a suitcase I'm, under I'm your so, desk ready. Oh okay. yeah. No, I was already, I was already packing for you. So I've got some things for the road that you'll probably need. I'm not going to lie. Most of it is cans of beans. I've got okay. kidney here. I've got pinto. I've got uh, lima beans. Those are great. Okay. I've also got you a few uh, cans of chili as well that I was able to throw in there. And, you know, a few crackers, some Ritz crackers. Uh, I've got some oyster crackers as well. I also wanted to make sure I packed this concert uh, style acoustic guitar for you. Um, oh, um, thank you. Wow. I guess I'll have to learn to play. You know, I, I was kind of resistant to this in the beginning, but, mm -hmm. you know, I was going to be a transportation major. So I guess this kind of makes sense. And you're the guidance counselor. So yeah, you know, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Be a vagabond <laughs> train hopping, guitar slinging kind of, kind of uh, guy. We, we cut forward in time to Sarah interviewing for a job at the U.S. Department of Transportation. Uh, so uh, your resume is very impressive, except there's one thing I have a question on. When it, when it says education, it just says the word Amtrak. Could you could you elaborate on that? Well, I thought that was a little more uh, specific than the open road. Well, uh, the open road is my education. Could you elaborate on that? Well, sure. You know, I, I could elaborate on that. Uh, so, yeah. Well, what I'm what I'm saying is, I didn't go to conventional school. I I wanted to learn the rules of the railroad by being on them. So I started busking, learning. I learned how to play guitar, and I rode up and down the railways of the West Coast, and that's how I got all my knowledge. And that is why I think that I could be the Secretary of Transportation for the United States to replace Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> this is very irregular, but the new administration really wants uh, something to really shake things up. So what, if you were to change the train system or just the transportation system in general, what would you do? We'll walk on them, get rid of all the trains, <laughs> like real Americans. Oh, wow. I thought you'd be pro-train. Sorry, director. Sorry to interrupt this interview. I just, I was trying to open this can of beans for my lunch, and I just realized I completely <laughs> forgot a can opener. Um, give them here. There's no way that anybody here knows how to open a can of beans. I said, give them here. 
Uh, well, huh? Who I are you? I was rudely interrupting you. Name's Jackson. Well, originally named Sarah, Sarah Kylie, but now it's Jackson. And I developed this folksy accent to be relatable and to get knowledge of American folk ways and railways. Give me that can of beans. Ha, ha, oh my ha, God. They're ha. opening it with their teeth. <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to eat that. You're like lapping it up like a dog. That was, I really wanted to eat that. <laughs> That's the American folk way. We got to get back to being real relatable Americans. You think people relate to Pete Buttigieg? I think not. You know what? You've convinced me. I think all transportation besides walking should be illegal. You're right. You're hired. And horse. Walking <laughs> Elaborate and horse. on that, please. A walking and horse. You, you can use a horse to get around. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I used to be into the whole rocket science thing, you know. Me and my buddy, we used to, uh, you know, hang out at his place and uh, rearrange, you know, fuselages and, uh, you know, control systems uh, in, like, really cool emotional ways, you know, that just communicated with the <laughs> Earth and ourselves. Um, we never really learned exactly how it worked, you know. It was just all about feeling out, you know, if I did go to space, you know, what would I want it, where would I want things to be, you know, and it really felt like really you know in tune with ourselves um then he went and went to fucking mit and joined uh -huh. nasa and actually learned how it worked and it's just yeah like, totally um, sir, sold I'm, out i'm sorry i'm gonna have to cut you off here on the nasa tour do you have a question because we we do need to keep the tour moving through it's just like <laughs> you know don't you guys realize that there's so much better ways you can be using all of this metal oh. and okay know, sir um cool i'm gonna ask that you refrain from further uh taking the tour time the, these tour participants waited a long time to get to this section of where we build the rockets and this is a really exciting piece so i'm gonna yeah you're you right you're right you know you guys are all doing your thing you know what hey everybody hey everybody in the tour okay i'm gonna start my own tour right now all right Oh, we're going to go wherever we feel like going. Oh, we're going to yeah. talk about whatever we want to talk about and how these rockets make us feel, okay? I, I don't know. I was kind of enjoying the, the tour. I wanted to hear about, like, the Apollo missions. Yeah, Shut yeah. up, honey. It sounds fun. <laughs> Let's hear what this guy I'm has sorry, to say. Everyone. I'm going to get security down here and, and get this guy that is just on a soapbox. We're going to get Over him. my dead body, you will. I paid good money for this tour, and I want to hear what this emotional man has to say about the metaphysical <laughs> meaning of the universe. You want to hear this guy? It, I'm a donor. Oh, okay. All right. You um, know what? Hey, I think we've all learned a valuable lesson here today you know i think there are many ways you know there are many facets to the human experience you know some people go towards the oh ones and zeros you know plug me in plug me out you know fucking uh yuppie fake bullshit you know and they want to go to space you know in a way that's not gonna you know uh, suck out all their oxygen from their bodies and other people are like hey you know what if i get up there and I freeze to death because, you know, I didn't put the, the heat sink plate in the right spot. That's just existence, baby. Oh, my God. That's oh, so me. It sounds dangerous. It just sounds really irresponsible with, like, millions of taxpayer yeah. dollars. Hey, hey, come here. Hey, come here. What? Here, here. Let me let me hold your face. Okay. Let me put your face between <laughs> oh, your two this is This is hey. weird. Your hands hey. are cold. Honey, let him hold your face. Shut up. I'm doing it. I'm doing face. it. Hey. Oh, 
what are you scared of, man? What are you running from? I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think, I think it was, you know, I used to like have dreams and now I, I just donate to museums and, you know, I don't, I didn't follow my dreams. Story of the fucking world, man. You bet. So, uh, as you can see, the behind us here are the original engine thrusters that help get us up into the atmosphere. So I'm Miss gonna... Ma'am. Uh huh. Miss Ma'am. Yeah. I have something to say. Okay. This man has Let's changed my life. What are we oh. doing here? What are we all doing here, huh? What good does this museum do if it's only about facts and not feelings, huh? You see this well, donation check in my uh, manicured, bright red, scarlet fingernails. Yes, I do. Well, I'm ripping it in zeros. half. I'm <sighs> ripping it in half. <sighs> I'm popping open this Apollo 11 capsule. Uh, you guys want to all start a drum circle in here? Yeah. Oh, my that God. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Hell, yeah. Can I ask uh, you an unrelated question? Did you have ham for breakfast? Because your breath is like, it's got a lot of ham on it. Mm. I mean, I don't really like to think about, you know, exactly what goes into my body and why and like, you know. Should I be ingesting these things to get nutrients? I just kind of go with the flow and, you know, just kind of okay. take whatever's given to me. Oh, my God. Um, that's so me. Yeah. That's in this so... case, I did have a whole honey baked ham this morning. <laughs> I know why you called me into your office and it's about the email I sent company wide. And I'll, I'll, I'll just explain. I, I like to explain my side of the story first before we start getting into pointing any fingers. Okay. Um, when I said that this place was a soulless hellscape and I would burn the whole fucking thing down with all of you in it, uh, okay. I meant that metaphorically. I yep. uh, just feel like this place is due for a very reinvigorating, nurturing, energizing rebirth. Not that I actually loathe all of you deeply and hope you all die in a fucking fire. Okay, well, it kind of seemed like it kind of seemed like a threat, like you were you were planning to burn the whole building down with all of us in and it. I, so I I see that now. I just I always kind of think of metaphors. That's just kind of who I am. I'm not really a normie, so you know it's just a difference in communication styles. And I I really wish you would not really read into the gas cans I leave under my desk. Those I are was for other things. Say that like. Either you have a really difficult time making sure you remember to put gas in your car, or That's it. you're you're pl- is that it? Yep, I'm I, I just I'm scatterbrained. I'm not an army like you who can like follow a schedule and like show up to work and bear a corporate existence. You know, I, I think I think different. We cut to Mark going through airport security. Okay, so you can put your wallet and your phone in here before you go in through the scanner, please. All right, so uh, I'm just going to get out ahead of something. You're going to see some unusual things on the scanner. It's going to look like there's a lot of electronic devices, possibly dangerous inside of me. It's it, it's really just I I don't I don't really interact with technology the normal way. I'm not doing anything untoward with it. I just I'm just a little different, you know. So if you could just like be chill about it, that'd be really cool. You want me to be chill about all the wires popping up on the scanner right now, man? It looks like you've got bombs attached to you. Why would you come through here like this? Uh, well. I mean, a lot of people might say it's like some crazy revenge plot for that time you had a 24-hour layover that was only supposed to be two hours because the fucking Southwest. But that's only like a lot of emails I sent as a metaphor. 
as a uh, metaphor. This looks like yeah. a threat, man. This looks like no. a threat. This is not normal. It's performance art. Um, yeah, it's performance art. I'm 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 sending a message metaphorically. What exactly kind of message are you are you trying to send metaphorically? You know what? I I, I kind of don't know. I have a whole lot of weed in my suitcase. I smoke like half of it. Why would you why would you <laughs> do that? And why would you tell me about that? It's like you're bragging about it. And get get out of the scanner. Get out of the scanner. I'm gonna pat you down. You, you know what? I fine, go ahead, pat me down, touch wherever you want. I'm not a normie. I'm not what? one of those people who's like afraid of being detained and cavity searched by TSA. I just like I, I want to be free. I want to feel everything there is to feel and i want to have something to be very mad about okay it just seems like you're getting off on not being like other guys kind of thing and i I just want to say i just want to highlight that you said touch wherever you want i'm not in this job to try to touch people i'm really just here to keep people safe and you were talking about a cavity search we don't do that that's like not standard at all we would never do that but like i'm not like other guys so could you So, doctor, you were saying something about how you weren't sure what was wrong with me because you couldn't emotionally connect to my x-rays? Yeah, man. It's just, you know, that's not really my thing, you know, to really look and like see like exactly what's going on, you know, with uh, the bones and the skeleton. It's just like, oh, what connects to where it's that's that's not me, man. So yeah, I don't know. You seem fine. I my my leg really hurts and I think I broke my leg. I just like I need you to put a cast on it or something like that. I don't want to I don't want to be one of those patients who self-diagnoses, but I think that is that is what's wrong with me because I'm in a immense amount of pain right now. You know what? If you feel like a cast is like, you know, central to your journey of who you are as a person, you know, if that resonates with your heart, man, then then that's beautiful and I love that. What does that even fucking not, mean? Why are you like this? Hey, can I hold your face really quick? Yeah, okay. Just that's look at me fine. for one second. Okay. Sorry, let me spit out some of this ham that I have. <laughs> God, is that... Oh, it smells like honey and just like pork. Yeah, this time I put pineapple on the outside of it. It's delicious. Oh, listen, good. man, listen. Okay, this is all just... This is all just, you know, temporary, okay? We're just star stuff, you know, hanging out, you know. We these aren't even our real bodies, man. Okay, uh, these are just some weird spacesuits that we're going to leave. We're not this person, okay? So, you know, you might say, "Oh, my leg is bent at a 45 degree angle in the wrong direction." Yeah. Man, I say, you know, maybe it was always supposed to be, you know? Yeah. It was always supposed to be. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the medical assistant. I, I heard that there is a need for some, maybe some pain relief and also uh, perhaps a cavity search. What? Yeah, man, you're not like other guys, are you? What? No, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty like atypical for like other guys. You know, I like cool things like. Um, Ooh, I'm listening. <laughs> like, I like cool things like Timothy Chalamet. I really liked his performance in Dune. Yeah, who uh, wouldn't? That sounds great. I I also just like. I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm really regretting listening to my uh guidance counselor right now because he never talked mm, about he never talked yeah. about he talked about like the boarding part of trains, but he never talked about the jumping off part of trains, which is how I broke mm. my leg. 
Okay. And I just didn't realize I would get cavity searched here at Providence Hospital. So Yeah. Well, I brought some really strong joints to help you feel comfortable. And then, yeah, we can just, um, whenever you're ready. Wait a second. Wait, you brought weed in here? Yeah. Get that That fucking shit out of here. That's disgusting. That's illegal. (gasps) We don't tolerate that. Okay. I thought no. the vision for this year was to, you know, meet the patient where they're at. You know, like yeah. that's the vibe I was getting from you specifically. I'm doctor. not a fucking drug user. How dare you? It's <gasps> disgusting. Straight edge, baby. I see uh, those X's on the back of your hands, doctor. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> you see them when I grabbed your face. Yeah, you saw. I saw them coming towards me. Can we get back to that? Like, can we get back to you holding my face? Yeah, here, I'm oh. coming back. Here, let me take a bite of ham. The fire alarm starts going off in the building. Oh, shit. Uh, we we got to get out of here. You got to help me. Hey, if we die and burn down, you know, if our bodies burn up or we get trapped under the collapsing building from the fire, that's just meant to be, baby. Oh, God. I'll, I'll, I'll breathe the life-giving oxygen into your mouth so that you can stay alive while I die. Yeah, I can smell the sweet, sweet taste of pineapple coming off. Coming, you're so close right now. Jeffrey, that was a banana story. Man, a oh man. Thank you so, for sharing it. Bandit Theater is uh, is running a sketch comedy classes. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be at the helm of this first round of the level one, which we did at the end of last year. And now we're doing our second round of the level one writing class. Uh, that Zach, Zach Nelson is here. And I, I mean, I think a lot of the logic as to why we're here together is to plug this very class. Uh, which is a six-week class that uh, is, you know, in progress right now, but um, definitely for the spring and summer quarters, uh, keep your eyes up. If um, writing, comedy, you know, just like writing structure and getting creative and collaborative with some friends sounds like something you're interested in, come on down. So that's all I got really going on, except for this show, which I guess I could plug. The Awkward Show. Yes, be sure to turn to the the Awkward Show. Listen to the full thing, you cowards. Terrific. Thank you, Jeffrey. Let's take one more moment and introduce the cast. Eric Kiley. And I'm Mark. I'm Casey. I'm Christine. And Zach Nelson's been with us. Yeah. It was so much fun, y'all. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, this was great. Yay! Let me, let me hold your face.